Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. <laughs> This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. And here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! It is a football Friday here on Birds 365. All right, it's still a little bit of a stretch. They haven't started playing football yet, but it's close enough. Damn, we're down to nine days before the Eagles season gets underway. You got your Mac and Mac guys, John McMullen and Jody McDonald, hanging with you. Uh, let's see. One week from today, John McMullen, will you be traveling? Will the Eagles be traveling? We're getting that much closer to opening game. What's the uh, itinerary look for next Friday? Uh, next Friday, the Eagles will be practicing um, at Probably the Novacare Conference. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Friday practices are light. Uh, and then they'll head up there, obviously, on Saturday um, and game day uh, on Sunday. So typical NFL week, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday are the, the main practices. Uh, you'll get an extra day in. It's still tentative, uh, but um, I expect the Eagles to be back on Tuesday after Labor Day weekend. It might be Monday. It's up to Nick, but uh, and he could give them all Tuesday, but I don't, I don't see why he would do that. Um, so it's most likely going to be Tuesday. So they'll get sort of an extra day. You have this extra time, but uh, um, yeah. And then we're off and running, off and running, Jody McDonald. But then it's uh, downtime because of the CBA. It is amazing that they negotiate out. Yeah, Friday, uh, you got to get them off. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, uh, got to have got to have off. Players, that is, so. uh, we've, we've talked about this way too many times. It's the only thing the players win on when they go collect oh, yeah. the bargaining. They don't ever get any more money. That percentage of gross revenues never jumps up. But, hey, we'll give you extra days off. 
we'll shorten up those practices for you. Okay, fine. That's the only way. Quality of life. That's what the uh, that's what D. Smith would say when he tries to frame his his wins. Uh, now we got to learn the new NFLPA executive director. Right, um, but he's not looking at any collective bargaining agreement anytime soon. So uh, don't know how he's going to affect quality of life of the players very quickly. But it does present a question, John. And I, I had to eat crow last year because the Eagles, it seems like, and you always uh, put me in my place and go, Jody, it's collective bargain. You can't do anything about it. The Eagles can't do more. You're making it sound like they're skipping practice. Well, they're skipping practices they can't have as per collective bargaining, but they have amounts of time that they can practice, and they're always under the number. Uh, the Eagles just believe that less is more, that they practice smarter, not harder, and I thought it was questionable last season. And how many games they play before they lose Johnny Mac last year? Would they start? Uh, seven and oh, eight and oh. I don't even remember off the top they of were, my head. They were really good. <laughs> yeah. I've turned the page on last year. I'm much like Nick Sirianni. So that's for other people who want to okay. muck, muck in. But, uh, um, yeah, they were really good last year. 14 and one with the starting quarterback. They lost to Washington. That was the game. Um, uh, I forget what they were at the time, but um, they were a very good team. And yeah, uh, I mean, it's hard to criticize <laughs> the way they set things up. And not only were they very good, and this tends to be the, the, the outcome of very good teams, they're very healthy. That, you know, that's because if you lose a bunch of players, uh, you tend to be very um, uneven, at least, uh, even if you have a good roster like the Eagles. Uh, but, you know, we talked about a lot, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball. You know, forget about 17 games. These guys are playing 20 games. They went all through the Super Bowl. Um, you know. Even go back to 2017 when they won the Super Bowl, they lost a bunch of players, you know, from and and key players, uh, and were able to persevere. So, talk about a special season. That was a special season. But you know, Jason Peters, Jordan Hicks, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, you had Halapoli, Bati, Baitai. A lot of people are forgetting starting at left tackle in the Super Bowl. Um, so, last year was. Yeah, we talked about a lot. T.J. Edwards, 20 games. Kaiser White, 20 games. Darius Slate, James Bradbury, Marcus Epps, on and on and on and on. Um, a couple guys got banged up. Dallas missed five games. But when you compare it to the rest of the league, it's pretty pretty damn good. So it's hard to say, oh, you did it wrong. I mean, I don't like it. I'm, I'm more in the Andy Reid camp. If you give me a certain amount of time, I'm going to take that time. I'm going to take all that time. The Eagles, you know, there's they'll cut practice shorter. Um, they'll do more walkthroughs. But it's hard to criticize them right now. Not off, off last year's results, you have to say that uh, they got it right and they know what they're doing. We'll see if that's the case again this year because it worked last year. We'll find out if it works this year again going back to the schedule and we'll be nitpicking this apart on an almost daily basis going forward. 
they have an easier part of the schedule in the beginning of the year. It just is the fact, Jack. They've got a killer run in the middle of it, but uh, New England, not great. Minnesota at home. Tampa's going to be bad. The Washington, and they owe Washington the only home game they lost last year with Jalen Hurts starting quarterback Washington, so you know they're going to be up for that. Rams not good. That's an easy part of the schedule, so uh, I'll give them credit if they get out of the gate 5-0 and again after going 8-0 at the beginning of last year. But it is a an easier part of the schedule, so you got to take those factors in when you're evaluating how the Eagles are actually doing. Uh, uh, some roster moves yesterday, John. We knew it was coming. The Eagles weren't. That's one where they're not going to go on less is more. They're going to take as many players as possible because uh, just – it gives them more that they can do. And Jeff Laurie is willing to pay for a full practice squad. Every other team in the league does too. Um, so they signed three guys who are outside the organization for preseason. Um, we mentioned the cornerback uh, from the Chargers that uh, I think it was Tim McManus had it uh, first that he was. Yeah, it was Tim. Uh, T. Juan uh, Mullen. Uh, looks like a slot guy, five because he's 5'8, 181 pounds, undrafted rookie from uh, Indiana. So, you know, they need some slot help without Zach McPherson. Uh, that makes sense to me. They brought our old friend LaRaven Clark back as one of a veteran player. Um, hey, why not? Um, I, I'm not in love with their depth uh, on the offensive line, at least compared to recent history so to get a veteran guy who sort of knows the system knows how to play i think that makes a lot of sense and then the other guy was thomas booker second year defensive tackle from stanford now that i say well you need another defensive tackle i don't i you know that nothing against thomas booker he might be a good prospect good player but i don't know you know how about another linebacker and, and, and again, people look at the, the roster, and I got it right in front of me. They'll look at the roster and say, well, Conrad Johnson's a linebacker. I, I, you know, I can't say this yeah. so many times. There's edge players and there's all-ball linebackers. I'm talking about all-ball linebackers. They have three on the 53 men as we stand today. Still time. Uh, as I said, don't lock things in until Wednesday of next week, uh, probably Wednesday morning. That's sort of when – they want to have everything uh, exactly where they want it. Um, you know, they have three on the 53 men. And then Ben Ben Van Sumeren um, on the practice squad, who's, you know, tremendous athlete. We talked about him a lot. I think he might be able to help on special teams. But if you're down to him and you have to play him at off-ball linebacker, you're going to have some issues. So, uh, yeah, I would have went uh, a little bit deeper um, at, at certain other positions than defensive tackle, who they can't even get to Contavious Street. I can't even predict the way Contavious Street can get on the field. That's how deep they are at, at defensive tackle. And the thing that surprised me about the Booker signing, and he was a draft pick last year by the Texans. He actually played. He got like 200 snaps last year, which – uh, just uh, buries a guy like Nicobe Dean, who got all of 34. He actually played last year, which is a nice thing. He's had some experience. 302 pounds or something like that. Because, John, they, 
spent a lot of tr time trying to find and brought a bunch of guys in, uh, even on the short term, late in the preseason type deals to find a quote unquote backup for Jordan Davis, a true guy to play in the middle with the 50 man line whose pure job is to take up two guys and make it easier for everybody else. They still don't have that guy, do they? No, they don't. And that's why I thought, you know, who knows? They brought in those guys for quick looks at the end of training camp, Robert Cooper, Caleb Sanders, who are big, big guys in that way. And I thought, well, maybe they like one of them and they'll bring them back to the practice squad. Evidently nope. not, you know, Booker, he played, he's sort of more of a tweener guy. He played the edge really at Stanford. Um, and, you know, He's a little bit too big for that at the NFL level, so they moved him inside. You know, maybe they think he's a good prospect, and it's just one of those things, and he's a good player, and it's it's more about that than anything else. But, yeah, I mean, uh, it, it, it's, you know, it's nitpicking, and that's what you do with good teams. But, uh, yeah, they certainly don't have that uh, – natural backup for Jordan Davis in that, in that 50 role with the 50 fronts, uh, nose tackle, shade tackle. They don't have a backup. So if, if Jordan goes down, like last year, he missed the four games with the high ankle sprain and he really wasn't healthy after that. He came back and wasn't completely healthy. So if that happens again, we talked about health. He's again, one of the few players that did miss some time. You're going to have to play somebody out of positions like they did last year with, with you know, Javon Hargrave the year before. Last year they brought in Linval Joseph uh, to, to sort of settle things down after getting a quick look at Marvin Wilson. Um, yeah, they don't have that player. They don't so, have that guy, which um, is, is – and I'm both uh, uh, buoyed by it and perturbed, perturbed by it because they understand they're still on the lookout for it, the fact that they couldn't fill it. Uh, they might have high standards for what they need that guy to do. Maybe they're comparing him to Jordan Davis. Yeah, and... there's not a lot of guys who are 340 pounds that can move like Jordan Davis. So <laughs> Exactly. Um, but you can find – I mean, Linval was a really good player earlier in his career. <clears throat> Different type of player. You know, just unbelievably strong. You know, but 300 – 35 three I mean, actually Limbaugh hasn't seen 335 in, in years but that's what they list him at just a really big massive guy that's tough to move uh, I think it's more likely you can find somebody like that but they haven't been able to do it yet and maybe that's an indication that if they do lose um and this might be a positive if they do lose a player like Davis maybe they'll play differently which is probably the way you should do it uh, and play more 40 fronts um, and, 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 and go about it that way. Uh, that's one thing I've said, I've seen about Sean Desai. I've mentioned it a couple of times. He seems more willing to try some different things than, yeah. than Jonathan Gannon. And maybe that's the positive people are looking for uh, when they talk about the change in defense, because the philosophy is going to be the same. All right, I'm going to give you two choices here, and then we're going to punch up our first guest. Got two good guests coming up today. I'll give you the rundown on that in a second. If here are your two choices, number one, Jordan Davis goes down, going to miss 
six weeks, eight weeks. It's not a week-to-week thing. It's definitely a month plus. Uh, so he's going to be out for a period of time, kind of like last year. Um, they've got two choices as to how to handle it. Number one, adjust the defense and play a little bit differently than they want to, or put that call into Linval Joseph and see if uh, we can start the mercenary clock a little early. If uh, David should get hurt in week number four, that he is the guy and they go right back down the same road they did yesterday. Go get an experienced guy long in the tooth has a particular reason he wants to play uh, chasing rings as McMullen likes to say, which do you think is more likely the Eagles adjust <coughs> and find a different way or, uh, get that phone call into Linball. I'm going to take door number three. Three? You got a door number three? Uh, Where are you I, going, yeah. McMullen? Uh, Marlon Tui Pelotu is going to um, fill in, uh, at least be given the opportunity to fill in. Um, a lot of people forget Marlon, Marlon got hurt. Let, it was Marlon hurt by the time. Yeah, Marlon got hurt. That was the issue. A lot of people say, well, Jordan got hurt. They went, well, yeah, Jordan got hurt, but Jordan and Marlon got hurt. Like if Marlon didn't get hurt, I'm not going to say they wouldn't have signed Len Ball Joseph, but they would have given him the opportunity first to see if he could handle the job. And if he couldn't, then maybe they would have made the call, but he was hurt. So he'll be given the opportunity, much like Marvin Wilson was last year, but it, it skipped over Marlon. Like he was given that one chance in Houston. And then they were like, all right, we got to go do something. Um, and that's sort of what happened. But Marlin will get the first opportunity. And he's in a here's the problem, Jody. He's an underrated player. He's a, he's a pretty good player. Um, and he's not going to fall apart in that type of situation. But he's not going to be great either. So it's kind of like you that to me, that's what's going to happen. That's not necessarily the best thing, but he's going to be competent. I'll use that word. So they're not going to be desperate, and they're not going to go outside. That would be my prediction. We we hope to never see how it shakes out because it's incumbent yeah. on Jordan Davis getting hurt. None of us want to see Jordan Davis get hurt, but the job of the team is to be prepared in case stuff happens. All right, we try and come prepared every single day, and that includes bringing in outside opinions. So we've got two good ones of them coming today. A little in this later show, uh, Brad Spielberger from uh, PFF. Uh, cap analyst and also contributor for um, OverTheCap.com is going to jump in, talk some league-wide stuff, but we're going very Eagles-centric next. Co-host of the Eagles post-game show right here on Jacob Media and host of the Mike Missinelli podcast, aptly named, may I mention, the Mike Missinelli podcast. That is aptly is named. Aptly named. I aptly like it. named. Uh, Mike Missinelli. Mikey Miss going to join us next here on Birds 365.
If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Streaming in here on Birds 365, McMullen, McDonald, Mac and Mac talking to MM, our guy, the co-host of the Eagles pregame show on uh, the Jacob Media uh, YouTube channel, which, oh, by the way, as rumor has it that Joe Krause actually picks up his tab to come down the uh, Atlantic City Expressway. I'm not believing that. I think Missinelli goes into his own pocket for that. He's dying to get back down to shore uh, to Ocean's Toast this year for us on the uh, Eagles postgame show. Mikey Mitz, how'd you sum a bit? Who told you that Krause is picking up the tab for us to get down there? A little bird just told me that. I didn't believe it. That's that's unknown to me, Jody. (laughs) (laughs) And my easy pass tab will tell you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, those easy pass, man, they rack up, man. Well, every every two days, I'm looking at my. Can please start the season? I I can't take this delay between the last preseason game and the regular season. It's oh, it's awful, Mike. It's all yeah, it's hard to process. It's tough to get through this preseason, but my my. I want to talk about your preseason. How how ready are you for Seth talking about Sean Desai in this defense? Because I mean, too. number two, number two wasn't good enough. So you know, he's a, he's, he's a more optimistic. I had him on my podcast last week. First of all, he's lost like thirty pounds, and he I don't know how he did it because he spent three weeks in Italy eating pasta. 
He, he, so he yeah, actually lost weight. Yeah. He looks fantastic. He look he looks like he's calmer this year and in better shape and ready to go. And yeah, he is anticipating that Desai will do a few things differently. All right, it's differently better. That's the question. Different is nice, but <laughs> does different equate to better? And we won't see. John and I have been debating this back and forth. We were just talking about the fact that Desai seems to be more open minded. That Gannon had his system, he was sticking to it, and that, that heck or high water, it was going to be the way he was going to do things. Do you think that is the case, that Sean Desai will be more open-minded? Will the head coach let him be more open-minded? Yeah, I think uh, that's a good point, Jody. I think he will be. Uh, you know, look, just looking at him on the sidelines, he looks like a guy, if something's not working, he's going to switch it. Uh, so that's that's what I like. And I think he's going to be a little more aggressive than, than, than Gannon, and we'll see how that works. And if it doesn't work, we'll go back to start. I think... I think Sirianni is going to trust them at least early and and see what unfolds here. Listen, they're a good team. Uh, you know, there's no two ways around it. They're they're going to be a very good team, very formidable team. So uh, the defense to me is, is the whole key. Whether that can adjust early on, because I, I think they're going to be explosive offensively. Uh, I think the job, uh, the size job, is a lot harder than Brian Johnson's job. Uh, but yeah, I think he's a little more adaptable. I could just see kind of see that in his personality. Um, Nick pretty much has one role for his defensive coordinator as as far as I can tell Mike and that's limit explosive plays does that limit the defensive coordinator I mean does that one rule yeah. yeah to an extent but but again if he sees the other side of it John like if he sees a little aggression really helping him I think it'll defer to him. I think that that he he's programmed to think that explosive plays defeat you uh, but if, if you can get a little more aggressive and not see it in explosive play, I, you know, that, that begin, you start to begin to trust that a little more. So that's what I think will happen. I don't think he's going to go overboard aggressive, but, but I think you're going to see some more blitzing in, in certain spots than, than Gannon did uh, to test it. And obviously if they get burned, they'll, they'll adapt to that. But uh, yeah, I, I, I like the new approach. I, I think it's going to be good. Yeah, one of the they're things right? they're 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 better roster. I think the, their rotation is is pretty deep. I think you could do a lot of things with this defense. One of the things I'm going to be tremendously interested in, in this year, and it all goes to the comparison of the two defense coordinators, is Nicobe Dean, because Dean was pretty good at blitzing when he was at Georgia. <laughs> he could come off the edge and be that one step behind and and get to the quarterback, closing the gap quickly but they don't blitz linebackers. They didn't blitz linebackers at all in the last two years with Cannon running in his defense. If the kid's got a strength, would you just put it on a shelf and not use it? Are they no. giving him a chance to do that? I think maybe, they're, you know, maybe they don't want to show it. It, it, it. It's possible that when the season starts, they'll they'll let him loose a little bit. Uh, and, you know, they just didn't want to – you know, he didn't have a lot of playing time. So, uh you know, linebacker is the million-dollar question for them. Are they good enough at linebacker? And I don't know if we know that. And they only have three on the roster right now. I, I'm surprised yeah. that they haven't added another one. Uh, maybe uh, they will. Uh, but, you know, you, when you're talking about Christian Ellis and Zach Cunningham, you know, that wasn't really the plan going in. You know, like those guys had to kind of survive that roster, and Morrow was the one that was gone. Uh I, I listen. I, I value linebackers more than they do. I know Seth. Does. I think everybody does. Yeah, I think, I think everybody <laughs> does. So, I mean, who's to say that they don't have it right? I mean, we'll find out. But that's a that's a major question. Even Dean is a question. You know, he's the yeah. one who's the 
surviving starter and everybody's relying on, but uh, we'll see. I, that if, if you look at the Eagles, they're, they're good at every position. You get to the linebacker and you go, Hmm, no, we'll see. But again, they don't value it. So maybe they're yeah. right. We're wrong. Well, and, and by the way, I think I agree with their devaluation of the position. I just think they've taken it too far. I think they've gone too far. So I think there's, there's, you know, a middle road there where you can say, all right, yeah, you should devalue this position in the modern game. We shouldn't devalue it to the point that they have, as you mentioned, not only with unproven commodities, the most proven commodities, Zach Cunningham, let's be honest. Um, you know, he's been a good NFL player, um, but to devalue it to the degree they have and, and to assume you said something interesting to me, cause I've heard it, from other people as well. This is, I think Jeff McClain said it, uh, the best roster and Howie Roseman's sort of uh, a GM ship or deep back to GM uh, run. I'm not so sure about that. I, I mean, last year was pretty stinking good. And especially when you look at the defensive side, there's a couple offenses with Miles and Isaac who were very good players. Not starting superstars, but good players. Defensively, they lost some good players. And starting a linebacker, say what you want, but they lost two good linebackers who played 20 games, one who was really good. They lose two safeties, one who was a playmaker, and they lose a Pro Bowl defensive tackle. And I love Carter. Jody can tell you that. But I can't say he's going to be better than Javon Hargrave on day one. I, I don't know if it is better than it was last year, roster-wise? Uh, maybe on paper not. I, I just think the rotation is strong enough where they're going to be able to manage that whole situation uh, in the middle. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I, it, it seems to me, John, uh, they're going to play a lot of dime, you know, because uh, I worry about the coverage. Uh, and and I think that in, in lieu of the linebackers, they're going to just uh, – you know, fill up the secondary a little more to compensate for that. And that's they're thinking defensively, philosophy-wise. Because three linebackers is is a small number of linebackers yeah. having the roster. Yeah. Mike, you miss uh, John and I were talking about trying to replace Jordan Davis if he got hurt and they don't have a true uh, middle guy in a five-man line. He suggested maybe Marlon Tuipolotu could jump in there and do it. I surely give Marlon a chance. I don't know if he's going to be good enough or if he fits that bill, but I got a bigger concern. And I know this is negative, which I try not to do here because they'll kill me on the stream, but you got to give all possibilities, worst case scenarios. What the hell happens if A.J. Brown goes down? Grant Calcaterra moving out to play wide receiver for the Philadelphia we no, just I, take I, it for granted that uh, Smith and Brown are going to be there every single play. Yeah, but then again, a high ankle sprain happens and a guy's out for a month. What the hell do they do if A.J. Brown goes down? Yeah, You know, you said that my dog even heard that. Yeah. <laughs> He's not my happy dog, with yeah. me. What else is new? I'm ticking yeah. the canines <laughs> yeah. off. No, listen, that's a major concern, obviously, because we're counting on those two guys to be it. You know the, the the foundation of what they're what they're trying to do. Uh, so I guess you could say that about any team. But you're right. Uh, you know who do they have really? They have a couple guys in the practice squad that aren't ready to play NFL football at that position. And I guess uh, Quez Watkins and uh, Zacchaeus. Uh, 
Yeah, we'll see. If they lose a major player like that, they could be in trouble. There's no question about it. But, you know, let's look at this preseason and what we've been quibbling about. Like, we're trying to make up stuff here. Yeah, so, you got to uh, quibble yeah. about something. It's right, a good team. Right, okay, it's, it's, I guess, Kurt, what about the, the one position here and, uh, you know, who they fill in their practice squad? I mean, it's, it's a far cry from what we used to talk oh, about yeah. Uh, yeah. with the Eagles. And, and now, you know, I guess they have to find a punter. So uh, let me let me throw uh, some support out for a Penn State homie. Yeah, play. Who, yeah. Who, who, who's probably got the best leg of all those guys, right? Blake Gilligan, can, can he survive, John and Jody? Uh, yeah, why not? I mean, they they tried out three punters. Blake was one of them uh, yesterday. I know everybody's hyper-focused on replacing Aaron Sipos. Pat O'Donnell is probably, you know, he's a veteran guy. He's done it probably the most. And Colby Wadman, who... I don't know, but those are the three punters. And obviously everybody wants the punt God. I hear that constantly. I've heard no thoughts of the Eagles bringing him in right or wrong. Um, can they do better than Aaron Sipos? Yes, but I will say this, talk about nitpicking. I've been nitpicking. So we're going to get down in the weeds here, Mike. Special teams. I mean. like we're, we're, we're Special teams. Yes. Nobody yes. gives a crap about Michael Clay in that building. I feel bad for Michael Clay. Everybody wants to. You're talking about Penn State. Zach McPherson played there before Texas Tech. He was one of their best uh, special teams players. He's lost for the season. Sean Bradley, Temple guy, one of their best special teams players, lost for the season. Then they cut Kayvon Wallace. They cut the two rookies who look like good special teams players. Makai Gardner, Ben Van Sumeren, they're both back on the practice squad. Maybe they can elevate him, do things that way. But guess what? If you don't sign a punter, you got to elevate a punter. If you don't sign a punt returner, you got to elevate a punt returner, Britton Covey. What the hell's going on with special teams? Yeah, I guess Let's we never pick put enough some emphasis. nits, Mike. We never put enough emphasis on that on that special team factor. And you're right. You're right about that. Uh, who returns punts? Right now, I assume like, Covey your, to be honest. Who's your guy, Covey? Yeah, yeah. So I elevate they'll him. elevate him. Um, but they're going to have to. I, Alameda can do it. You know, I guess you can get through it for a couple games with Alameda Zacchaeus. Maybe Justin Evans. He did it in the preseason. They can do it. They obviously have to elevate a punter if they don't sign one. You need a punter as good as the the offense is. They need a punter. So they've kind of hamstrung themselves. They have some time until next Tuesday or Wednesday. But, um, yeah, special teams, it was an issue last year. They weren't good enough. And they've lost their best players, and they haven't replaced them. All right. Could, so all these things that we're talking about, could, could that be a downfall to the point where they're not the best team in the NFC? <sighs> No, but it could lose them the Super Bowl, as it already did. I would argue the the play that tilted the game. People talk about the defense. the The play that tilted the game was the Tony punt return that tilted the game to Kansas City. So, to me, that was the biggest play in the game. Special teams. So you're already at the Super Bowl level. What no. could prevent them? Well, I want to talk to you about that as <laughs> yes, well. I take it a little you know, lighter than that. I, I, I just right now, I, I think getting the number one seed is extremely important. I haven't even got to that next level. No. Yeah, and I'm trying to figure out what who could, who could get past them to, to win that position. 
Yeah, I'm not sure there is a team in the NFC. If there, if it is, it's San Francisco. And then I think there's a drop-off between the top two teams and everybody else. All right, Mike, I got to get a confidence read on you because uh, we bat this around uh, often here on Birds 365. Is the defensive defections the biggest question mark coming into the year? Or is two new coordinators? It's never happened before a team goes to the Super Bowl, loses, and loses both of their coordinators. By the way, good luck to both Jonathan Gannon and to uh, Shane Steichen. Their teams are going to be bad. I mean, just flat out bad. Between the two, the Eagles yeah. will absolutely, the Eagles could double up the number of wins that Gannon and. Uh, oh, they Shane should. Steichen they not only together. could, they should. They should double up. And so we uh, sit back and say, see, see, see what you guys left? Look at you now. Exactly. Yeah. Like the see uh, from Scarface. Look at you now. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Uh, we, we, we've already talked about deciding what he may, may not do a little bit more flexibility. Nice. Yeah. It's, it's a really good, I, I think it's decide more, more than it is Brian Johnson. I have more confidence in what they do offensively. And, and when you get to the defense, there are, there are a lot of things that have to really come through for them. And, and one is that defensive tackle rotation with the, with the rookie being thrown in there, not getting hurt. One is the linebacker, uh, uh concept, uh, the safety uh, a little bit. Uh, so Desai, I think, is a lot – his job is going to be a lot more important than Brian Johnson. This Here's point. my I only reservation so. with that. And I know Johnny agrees with me. We're on the same page on this one. Shane Steichen was a very good play caller. There's a lot of interpretation to it. It's pushing the right buttons at the right time. It's even tough to put a finger on and be able to describe – other than check the results. Oh, by the way, he was very good at it because the results say he was very good at it. Brian Johnson's got this long-standing relationship with Jalen Hurts. He's well thought of around the league. He's never called an NFL game before as a play caller. So that's a big unknown for me. And he's being comp to a guy who was outstanding at his job last year. You got any worries that Brian Johnson just won't be as good a play caller as Shane Steichen? You know, a little bit, but, but they're so... They're so diverse on offense that I, I don't know that it's going to be that difficult for him. I, I you know, I, I look at it, I, lo I love the running back rotation, and he'll be able to match that up with whoever, you know, what, where, where, whatever they need from that particular guy. Uh, the tight end's great. The two receivers are great. Their offensive line is great. So uh, I, I don't know. I, to me, if you've got uh, all that material – it's a little easier for you to play call to be successful because those guys talent wise are going to deliver for you no matter what you play I, I call. So I, I just, I'm not, maybe I should be a little more worried about it. I'm just not, I'm more worried about how they line up defensively. And, and now John's got me worried about special teams. <laughs> well, now you Did brought you? up uh, expectations. Now, see, I'm with you. Uh, I'm not skipping steps to the Super Bowl. I think making the Super Bowl last year was an accomplishment. I just talked about this last night with Tone, our producer. Like so many, I hear so many fans. They're like, they think it was egregious that they lost the Super Bowl. Like that's a common occurrence, Mike, that uh, that's not even worthy of any kind of self. Now I get the emotion of losing the game. Jody and I, we agree on Shane Stack and play calling. One thing we disagree on, I think the best team lost the Super Bowl. Jody's a bottom line guy. 
Yep. Uh, Kansas City won the game. They won the game. I mean, they you, you got to give them the tip of the cap. But I think the best team lost. Hmm. That's an accomplishment. That is the best team last year I've ever covered. I've been covering this league for too long. I'm too old. I covered the 98 Vikings, covered the 2017 Eagles Super Bowl team. This team was better last year's team. They lost the big game. I get it, the emotion, but that was an accomplishment. To assume that that's going to happen again, boy, I, it, it, it just doesn't work that way. The expectations to me are out of whack. I, I, I agree more with Jody on this because, I, you know, they got beat by the best playmaker in the league uh, who made plays. And and so I go, okay, well, I got to defer to that. It's like when they lost to the Patriots years ago. I said, you know what? The Patriots were a little, a little more experienced to win that game. So I don't, I don't get upset with it. I think this maybe even energizes the Eagles more to, to win it. Uh, they lost. And, and it was a matter of fact that they lost to the playmaker who beat them. And, and I, I don't buy, I, I know the history says the opposite, that when you get there, you usually don't get back. But I think there's a lot of incentive to get back to this team. And I think they're directed very well towards that. And they've got a leader uh, who's a quarterback who just uh, doesn't allow himself uh, any any breath at all uh, to, to fail. So um, I like the position they're in. I, and, I, and to me, it all comes down, if you get home field advantage at the playoffs, you get there. And the team you now play is going to be a different team than what team he played last year. And you maybe should be better than that team that you play. So I, I have nothing but optimism about this year. I'm not, I'm not worried about the slide down. Uh, and I know that there are these components you have to look at and say, well, it, the coordinators are different. Uh, this is different. They're, they're depending on, on, on some inexperienced players and some experienced defensive players. Left. I get all that, but I just think they're good. And uh, I think they're direct. I do. And by the way, I agree with you. Uh, they lost the best playmaker in football. But on one day in February, the best playmaker in football was the second best quarterback on the field. I truly believe Jalen Hurts played a better game. Now you had the unforced error, um, which is very uncharacteristic and very unlucky. But the best player on the field was Jalen Hurts. You're probably right. But that, but I look at it like, hey, you know what? They lost to Mahomes. A lot of people have. So uh, you know, I it, I get I get destroyed when they when they lose to a team that I believe they should beat. And I went into that game thinking I'm not so sure they can beat this team, even as good as they are because of this dude. And uh, and it I don't know, but this year's a different year for me. I, I think that I, I'm very optimistic about this year's team. And the whole thing about the unforced era, there's so many different ways to look at it. You don't drop the football. Hey, come on. It's an unforced error. That's a bad play. Anyway, he's oh, always unlucky. Yeah. Except it wasn't. He dropped the football. You can't drop the football in that right. spot. So that's, does that still make him the best player on the on the field there? Exactly. Well, I ask you guys. I think he was. I, I think he was the best player on the field. It's except not like, for that. That wasn't well. Not except for that. That's involved. I mean, that's part yeah, of the. Right. That's part of what you you decide. He made it a bad play. Nobody goes through a, a football game. That's not one of Patrick Mahomes' best games. He 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 performed in some big high leverage spots. But if you look at the numbers, if I told you the numbers for Patrick Mahomes before the game, 
you guys would have both said, yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that. So, I mean, he's performed at a much higher level. And like I said, no, no questions asked. Best player in football, best playmaker in football. But man, Jalen Hurts was better than him on that particular day. Now, I'm that I still think Patrick Mahomes is a better quarterback overall. But yeah, I don't know how you can watch that game and say he wasn't the best player on the field. But that's just my opinion. All right. So, and with his mindset, he's going to be even better. So there should be less worries. Right. Well, I'm not. I'm not worried because okay. you know, I don't. I don't. At the end of the day, win, lose, or draw, I still got to cover the game. My <laughs> my my job doesn't change. But uh, from the standpoint, I'm just talking of the expectations. Look and forget about Jalen Hurts, runner-up MVP, playing at that level on that stage. We talk about it all the time with the defense, number two defense, number one ranked passing defense. I guarantee you one thing, Mike. They're not getting 70 sacks this year. I guarantee you that. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. guarantee that. Um, yeah, you're, you're probably right about that. And, um, and and maybe I'm not accounting for it. There's going to be a little slide down numbers-wise. Uh, but to me, if, if they don't get – if they're not the best team in the NFC, I'd be extremely disappointed. I, I mean, I don't know what game schedule. They lose a couple of games in that tough six-game schedule. Uh, I would be disappointed because that would – probably knock them out of that number one seed it's gonna it's gonna be them with the 49ers and the whole who is the better team at the end of the season uh eagle fans always seem to say except except for the unforced error well it <laughs> happened except for the punt return well it happened that's part of the philadelphia eagles is their inability to cover punts and a good punter who can get off a good punt you can't just wave a magic wand and say well we don't want to evaluate that it happened it was part of the game and you got to factor that in that's why the chiefs won last year and that for i, I agree with you game. so like you're so this is you're batting heads now with john on that yeah, he no, well, I mean, I think it's obvious that where we differ, Jody, Jody's the bottom line guy. I get it. I mean, the team wins, but you know, you, you guys covered sports forever. Both of you. I mean, the best team doesn't always win. There's upsets every week. Same thing in the biggest game. There are upsets and the best team doesn't win. To me, it's common sense. It happens all the time. Literally. Where the the best example in the NFL, Mike? Can anybody sit there and say when the when the Giants upset the best Bill Belichick Patriots team that the best team won? I mean, I, come on! I it, it, yeah, the, no, the, no, the, no, you're the, right. The didn't a... come in undefeated, John. They had three. They had the same exact number of losses that the Chiefs had. No, uh, that's that's not my point. I'm just trying to say the the overall aspect it's much closer between the Eagles and chiefs than the, than the Patriots and giants. That's the, the, the biggest outlier I can come up with off the top of my head. The Patriots were so much better than the giants, but the giants won the game and right. credit to them. Oh, it can happen. The it happens just... all the time in sports. Right. But uh, I, uh, I think they were that close coming in and then the best thing, Mike, when you go down to oceans, you go make a bet. After the game, are you allowed to bring up your ticket and go, hey, <laughs> but the better team actually lost. Can you cash this one for me? Then I look and go, no, you lost. Uh, no, the, the I'm still trying to find that decide. casino. That Whether you get paid that. or not, right? But that's yeah, I not find my that point. Window. I'm not gambling. I'm just, I'm just evaluating a football game. 
I'm not gambling. <laughs> I'm not, you know, I'm saying, I'm saying the Eagles were the best team in football. I thought that pretty much all season. They were the deepest, most, Mike heard me say it. You've heard me say it. They were the deepest, most well-rounded team in football. Yeah, they, they, they wowed us. They didn't win in the end. They, they, they wowed in every post-game show. They, they, they wowed us every game. It's like, what, really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I agree with that. I but I, you know going into that game, I don't know. I I didn't know. I didn't think that they were p- positively the better football team in that game because of the pedigree of that other team, the experience level. Because the one guy who just is crazy. Well, you also got the great coach as well. I'm not criticizing yeah. Kansas City. That's the best coach quarterback uh, combination of this era, certainly. Um, so anybody who loses to Kansas City, it's not exactly uh, a wild upset i think it's a slight upset that the eagles lost that game that's all that's that, here's I the mean, way i looked at it coming in both teams were 14 and 3 the eagles had a much easier path to the super bowl the nfc wasn't all that good and the chiefs had to get through the afc to get there and it was evidenced by they needed their field goal kicker to win games for them two straight weeks in the postseason and the eagles had two laughers that's pretty much the same for me. Get to the final game, may the best team win. The best team wins, they're the best team. And that's the way I looked at the Chiefs no, last year. No, there's no nuance with that. I'm a nuance guy. <laughs> I'm a nuance guy. Yeah, some things are... I'm more of a bottom more, line guy too, Jody. So. Yeah, some things are more cut and dry than that. Um, all right, Mike. Uh, you did say earlier you like the Eagles running back situation. Yes. And we assume that they're going to share the load. Don't know. We'll find out over time. I'm going to flip the script on you. Last year, the Eagles had four running backs on the roster. And every week, John would be handed the inactive list. And it was the book of Sherman. And who am I missing again? Uh, Job. Job. Job's uh, book of Sherman. The sermon, guys from were... the, the sermon from the book of Job. Right. They were inactive every single way. Trey Sherman played two games or one? I know he got a carry in one. He got got the big Jacksonville two uh, two carries in the big Jacksonville game. Yeah, he might have been active twice during the year. But otherwise, he was inactive. They lose uh, Miles Sanders, and they replace him with both Rashad Penny and uh, Swift. That's four. Last year, they dressed three every single week. That means somebody's going to sit each week. Is that going to be rotating as well? If we believe who's going to get the ball is going to get the carries, who's going to get the activity, how do they decide? If they're only going to play three, somebody's got to sit. Trey Sermon was the guy all last year. Who's going to be the guy this year? How are they going to work that? Maybe it'll be different this year. Maybe they won't sit that. Yeah, that, that maybe leaves you a little short on oh, special so, teams. So another guy who can't play special teams on the active roster. That's How's true. that going to work? That, that's a, it's a really good point on yeah. what, what they're going to do there. Uh, I didn't even think about them not dressing four because I think they need well, you to. You think they're going to dress all four? Almost. Huh? I think they need to get something out of each one of those guys at particular parts of the game. I think that might be their strategy. But that, could, that does leave them short in another area. So uh, that's probably a concern. Uh, but, but those guys are so diverse. I, I can see them being utilized in, in a lot of situations during a game. Um, so I don't know what they're going to do. That's a good point, whether they'll dress three or four. Uh, at Mike Miss 25, make sure you, you follow Mike Missinelli on Twitter or X, as we call it now, MikeMiss.com. Uh, and the podcast, the Mike Missinelli podcast. Make sure 
you listen the Mike to that. Mike Guest 2-5, by the way, was in honor of Ben Simmons when he wore 2-5 yeah, here. Yeah, well, and, Ben's uh, coming back, yeah, by the ben way. Ben is coming back. He'd really like to come back to Philadelphia. Yeah. He loves it here. Uh, and why shouldn't he? Uh, let's be honest. I'd love to see him. You should bring Carson oh Wentz back as well. I've never or, seen a guy like this yeah. ever in my life. Um, I'm with you uh, with Ben Simmons. Ooh. Uh, by the way, Nick Nurse was at uh, Eagles practice yesterday. Nick yeah. Nurse is, oh, he's in for a hell of a season. That poor guy. He yeah. doesn't know what he signed up for. <laughs> um, but uh, it's it's first 365. So we'll bring it back to the Eagles. You mentioned the running backs. I'm not a big fan of committees. I got to be honest with you, Mike. I I, I want to, whatever you want to call it. You don't have to call it a bell cow, lead back. I want Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders was a lead back. Um, when, when I hear what you're saying about the traits, but that puts more pressure on Brian Johnson. We were talking about Brian before, because then you got to start thinking about trend busting. In other words, all right, if Penny's the guy between the 20s running the football, the defense knows Penny's the guy between the 20s running the football. If Gainwell's the hurry-up back, they know Gainwell's the hurry-up back. If Swift's the guy who's going to get the bubble screens, they know Swift's the guy who's going to get the bubble screen. And all of a sudden, you got to you got to you got to be cognizant of that, and you got to be really disciplined to not tip what you're doing. And I think that makes things harder. Again, it's nitpicking, but. I'm not a big fan of the committee. Well, uh, I've changed on that, John. I think the way the league is going, I, I used to think like you and one guy w- w- had to be the guy. Uh, but I think they can scheme this. I mean, their offensive line is so good that they can scheme. They, you know, we okay, we do this. We're still going to do it better than you. And then we're going to get some juice out of it. So, you know, that, that's why I kind of look at this situation. I think the league has evolved to the point you keep guys fresh uh, and you you – um, put them in their best positions that you, and you, you you convert that play because you're so good offensively and your offensive line is so good. So, All right. We've discussed the Eagles enough. I got a Missinelli question before we let you run. <laughs> ben Simmons. <laughs> ben Simmons. has nothing to do with yeah, I could talk for an hour on that, dude. Purely to do with Mike Missinelli. General Knowledge Wednesday. What do you miss most about it? Uh, I'm... <laughs> I miss the, the completely ridiculous guesses at the the, at the, at the answers because that was such value for a show, like how somebody could be so far off, oh yeah, or, or not get the easiest questions. That was the delight of that for me. Uh, you, you don't want to make fun of people, but you had to, and when you start making fun of people that way, I think yeah. that I was you know good at making fun of people. I don't know if that's a good quality or not. I, I, I am going to be a hundred percent honest with you, Mike. When I be in the car, I'd be listening to General Knowledge Wednesday. More than trying to get the answers right, I would try and decipher ahead of time. Will the guy get the answer himself? Whoever's on the line by judging the quality of conversation up to that point. Like, yeah, you can you can get a feel for get that. Right. This guy's got no friggin' chance, whatever question Mike has. Uh-huh. Before you'd ever ask the question, I tried to decipher where I thought, more so than what the question was. I didn't even listen to the question. Just Will this guy get it right or get it wrong? And I got to give you credit because you are very good at handling him and doing that. I missed General yeah. Knowledge Wednesday. I needed to know <laughs> how much you missed it as well. Yeah, it was fun. I used to love doing it. Do you make all those questions up yourself? Do you do the research? Yes, I do, all, I do all the research for those questions. Really? I, I found uh, various websites that uh, I thought would be perfect for it. 
Uh, so yeah, there was always a theme to it. And uh, yeah, I would pick those out. And, you know, I would, it's funny cause I, I would, uh, I would try to ask an easy question when we needed to get the count up because we were, we, we had set an over under number on how many we would get right during the day. And I go, we're, we're way behind. So let, let me at least make it like close to the number. So we add some drama in here. But, right. uh, and, and then if it got too crazy, I would, I would ask a question that I knew they had no chance. But <laughs> <laughs> I wanted but- to shut it down. <laughs> You will not. You try and shut it down on an Eagle post game, so you're going to have a problem because Seth yes. is the guy. Yeah, yeah, that goes on for how long, John? Three and a half hours this year. Yeah, yeah, fourteen, fourteen hours. Right. I think by the time I get up there, uh, yeah, it's about fourteen hours. I have a backache after those shows. <laughs> and uh, good luck putting the uh, uh, submission in to get your tolls refunded, Mike. That's just not happening, you know. No, uh, I, yeah, I guess not. Not, not going to be getting that easy. We, fast we're, no, we're not going to get compensated for gas either. That's like that's a half a tank. No, no, yeah, you got a little bit of a ride, uh, Mike. Very much looking forward to seeing you all season long after the games. Check out the Mike Misnelli podcast as well. We'll have you on. I know it's a little overkill during the season, but we don't care. We enjoy when you're on the show <laughs> with us. So uh, be expecting my call in season, Mike. My pleasure, guys. I appreciate. It. Thanks, Jody, John. Mike Missinelli here with us on Birds 365. All right, timeout coming. Uh, Mikey Miss, thank you very much for hopping on. Brad Spielberger, <laughs> thank you very much for hopping on in advance. He's going to join us coming up next in about 20 minutes here on Birds 365. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. fans on earth it's a bold statement but would you expect anything less from philadelphia 58 years of heartache creates a toughness a grit a resolve not found in most sure our prayers were answered but now that we've had a taste we're looking for more pondley hockey 
official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. McMullen and McDonald here with you on Birds 365. Uh, We went quick into it. Uh, Mike got us into it. The Eagles workout guys from yesterday. Three punters came in. A linebacker came in. Um, another long snap. What was that all about? Uh, They're they're trying to motivate Rick Lovato here, brought in an extra. I remember with these workouts, these now with the Eagles, obviously, punter is more, uh, obviously immediate, but you'll see throughout the season, um, a number of names will come out, especially early in the season when you're that teams work out, not just the Eagles all across the league. Uh, and you're trying to build a dossier on players in case um, something happens. Uh, Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. So my guess it has more to do with that um, than anything else. But uh, because, you know, the Eagles have done with that in the past. They've lost long snappers to injury numerous times. And all of a sudden you have to pick somebody up off the street uh, and you want to be prepared to do it. So. I think the long snapper part of it's just a due diligence type of thing. See right. who's the best of the guys who are not employed, just in case. By the way, John, uh, I look down at my sheet and I see that today is the 600th episode of Bird. Whoa, 600. Damn. 600. A nice round Mikey number. Mikey missed 600. on 600. He That's was nice. number 600. Brad Spielberg is going to be our second guest on number 600. And in the first 599 shows we've done, I don't think the word dossier has ever been used before. So I got to yeah, give you nice. credit for yeah. getting dossier in on show number six. All right. Well, I, I throw that out. I'm surprised I haven't thrown that out. I, I don't know. I'm just making it up, but I, <laughs> I don't ever remember you using it before, but it's a, it's a good word. And, it, and I understood exactly what you're trying to say. Um, and here's the good news about this being 600. If we do five a week, holiday here or there. Oh, by the way, Tuesday, we're off. Uh, Monday, we're off for uh, Labor Day, so we'll be back again on Tuesday. I'm figuring number 700 is going to come right in the Eagles playoff run. Uh, Late December, early January, somewhere there about uh, some uh, 20 weeks down the road is, yeah, right right around when the Eagles are starting to make their Super Bowl run. So we'll click off the next 100 uh, at a key juncture of the season. Um, Let me ask you what I asked Miss Nelly. 
about the running backs. We all think and uh, ask questions about and speculate on how they're going to be used and who's going to do what. And you've got a good grasp on it because you're there at practice and you continue to tell us, hey, it's it's Kenny Gainwell because he gets more reps than anybody else. Now, it's specialized, so when it's non-specialized situation in games, how are the Eagles going to do it? Well, we don't know yet. Do you think somebody's going to have to sit every week? They only went with three running backs last week, and you and I continue to harp on the fact that the special teams, as we can judge it right now, doesn't look chock full of great possibilities or guys with experience playing special teams. Uh, I'm not even talking about returning. I'm talking about coverage. You don't see any of those four running backs playing coverage on special teams, do you? Nope. Nope. Now, Boston can help as a returner. Return guy, right. That I get. Um, but yeah, no, I, 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 I mean, I keep bringing it up and it is nitpicking. I'll self report myself. It's definitely nitpicking because as much as, you know, coaches will pay lip service and how we paid lip service to the importance of special teams. Let's be honest. Every team doesn't value at it as much as offense defense. I mean, that's all hypocrisy, but there are teams that value it a heck of a lot more than the Eagles seem to be valuing. And by the way, one of those teams used to be the Eagles. I, you know, when jo- I, I brought up John Harbaugh earlier in the week. I mean, he was the guy when it came to special teams in this league as a special teams coordinator for many years. Um, and Dave Bipp was one of the best uh, and still is um, in Detroit uh, for many years. And, you know, this team was famous for special teams players. You know, Chris Maragos has made the Pro Bowl. Yep. Uh, 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 Ike Reese, I, I brought up, uh, your colleague at WIP, tremendous special teams player, uh, Brian Brayman, on and on and on and on. They don't do that anymore, which is correlation to the same thing as running back and linebacker. They devalued it. Are they right? Maybe they are right because kickoff coverage doesn't matter as much because of the rule changes. Uh, Punt coverage doesn't matter as much because of the the evolution of punters, although they can't find a punter. Um, Maybe they will with this group. Um, Doesn't matter as much. And maybe that's what's behind it. But they lost the Super Bowl because of a stinking punt. I don't know. Maybe that would have woke somebody up and said, eh, maybe pay a little bit more attention uh, to this aspect. It'll be very interesting week number one to see how many running backs they actually activate. Because, uh, and again, different. And that's typically, if you're staff. a fourth running back, you got to help on special teams significantly. And that doesn't mean one kickoff return. Um, right. Yeah. They don't have that guy. So my guess is they're only going to play three. Um, And I will continue to say at some point in the season, if he's going well, and right now I would guess that Rashad Penny, well, we don't even know how they're going to use these guys. Um, Rashad Penny could be an important part of it if he is, as you say, the 20 to 20 guy. But they have some balance and maybe game will get some of that. But then Penny gets some stuff down by the goal line. They can't be predictable. I thought that was an outstanding point you made about if 
they get slotted in their roles, then the other team is going to be able to pick up on the fact that they're slotted in their roles and they're going to be uh, prepared to stop it. So I think there's got to be some flexibility. Uh, if they only dress three every single week, it's going to shoot my theory down that Rashad Penny at some point is going to get some rest time, that they're going to give him downtime because they want to protect him from injury if he's going well. Um, mandatory downtime, as dictated by the coaching staff, as in days off, will not play in a game. Might have the most rushes in a game and then sit the next game. Uh, I read a story today about somebody speculating that Christian McCaffrey um, might get less carries, less touches in San Francisco this year than a usual year for him. Now, remember last year, he was with the Panthers to start before he went to San Francisco, went nuts. Um, but his usual usage went healthy in Carolina that they might cut back on him, a.k.a. load management. I think if Shad Penny's going to get a load management game in the middle of the season, I don't know if they'll ever sit McCaffrey but do you think we'll see load management? I'm standing by it. I know you're not a fan of it. I think the Eagles are going to use it at the running back position. This year. Well, it's not that I'm, I'm, I'm not a fan of it. I think it makes sense in the NBA and um, even maybe baseball where you play a lot of games. I think in, in football, because he only plays 17 games, I think, I think the Eagles use load management all the time, but they do it during the week. Uh, with certain guys, whether it's, you know, Jason Kelsey or Fletcher Cox or some of the veteran players or even some of the players with in younger players with significant injury histories, Landon Dickerson, uh, Josh Sweat would be the notable examples. They they do maintenance with those guys all the time, but it's during the week. When you want to play 17 games, if you're healthy, you got to play. I mean – it's just, I think it's a numbers game from the NFL perspective. Uh, and and you can manipulate things. Like Nick brought up a good point that you don't think about all the time. At least I don't think about it all the time. Um, Football is the only professional sport where you practice more than you play. Um, and and it's, it's true. And it's like, eh, yeah, he's got a point. Um, and... That's the practice portion of it is where they do the the load management aspect of it. Right. But uh, here, here's what I would say to Nick if I were there. There's a reason for that because it's such high tension, high physicality when you actually play. That's why they only play as little as they do as compared to as much time as they practice. So when you give some guy load management in practice, how much are you really cutting them back? You're not going all that hard anyway. Uh, you give him a game off, now you actually are reducing the chance for injury. Now you really are sparing a guy's body. There's a reason why they practice more than they play, because playing is so high-level physical that it takes its toll. You want to really give a guy some load management? Let him skip a game. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people thought they might even, um, when they extended the schedule, there was a lot of talk, if you remember, about uh, mandating that players could only play 16 games. So, in other words, you had to rest even your best player, even your quarterback, um, for one game. And, you know, people were saying, get it, you know, theorizing, get it out of the way early, get it out, of, you know, for a, a star player or something. Never came to fruition because 
Which, by yeah. the way, were you a fan of that? No, I'm not a fan. Oh, of I it. Because it. For, for I loved it. Are you kidding me? For the, for the exact reason attached to it. When you're going to give your guy the day off? Do you wait and then he gets hurt? And oh my God, we sat him early. Well, he misses yeah, for... the game because of injury. Oh, that would just make it so much more uh, entertaining and debatable as a member of the media who's got to cover it. I absolutely loved it. Uh, well, from the standpoint of uh, creating, you know, talk for what we yeah, do. Yeah, that's yeah, what, kind of probably... what we're doing here, Johnny Mac. But I'm I'm talking about in the game in general. I mean, it, it, it's it, it it would create more strategy. By the way, coaches hate that anything oh, I, that creates I'm not surprised <laughs> anything that creates potential second guessing. They hate, sure, of course. Um, so that that from that standpoint. But when you're talking about star players, like again, you know, and Greg, I'll bring up. Greg Popovich is sort of the godfather of load management. Oh yeah. You know, it, the, the fan aspect of it too. And, and, and the NBA, I mean, when the Spurs were the Spurs and they were great and, and the Tim Duncan Spurs and Tony uh, Parker Spurs and Manu Ginobili and those great teams, you know, NBA games are like a, uh, an event in other cities. And like with San Antonio's going into, Memphis, you know, maybe people are going, I want to go see Tim Duncan. I want to go see Tim. And then all of a sudden they don't see any of them because it's right. load management there. Um, I don't like it from that aspect either. Um, that, that's just an NBA example. So if if you go into, you know, Tom Brady's going into, um, you know, insert city. Oh, but Tom's not playing today. I don't know. That lived that. And people say, I don't care about the fans. I do care about the Good fans. Good for you, and, and, Johnny and that Mack. Aspect. The, the, the and that aspect. For the fans, I appreciate you. And that, and that, I, I don't care. And that I'm aspect worried about conversation. Yeah. And that aspect of it, I, I mean, it is a business. You're, I, I say all the time, you're picking these people's pockets to begin with. I, I, yeah, I, I, that, that's what bothers me from, all, you know, whether it's merchandising, I talk about it all the time. Um, and then to, yeah, I talk about all, all the time in the preseason. Yeah, it's insane you charge these people yeah, that, those prices. That that I can get behind in uh, defending the fans. It is uh, the fact that preseason tickets are, and and some do the right thing and scale back, but it's part of the season ticket package. So you're paying for it whether you actually plan on going to the game or not. All right, one thing we're going to talk about with our next guest, Brad Spielberger from uh p uh pro football focus uh cap analyst big signing in the nfl yesterday uh hockenberg signs a uh, uh tj hawkinson yes quasi odofamenta finally did something i think he's had the job for i don't know 16 months he finally did something got him signed to a contract extension 66 million over four years which resets the tight end market it could have some effect on philadelphia now not this offseason heading is if dallas got to run in walks an hour he roseman's office and slams his fist on a desk you got to redo my contract because dj hawkinson got his done uh, no uh, dallas go back to practice we'll get to you don't worry <laughs> about it buddy uh they just did redid his contract so not immediate but at some point like at the end of the year if goddard goes for 80, 120, uh, uh, 1100 
as a uh, Zach Ertz type season. Oh yeah, he's gonna come knocking at Howie's door to get his thing redone. Um, one guy can reset the market at a specific position, can they not, Jeff? Well, yeah, that's how it works. I mean, TJ's a very good player. You know, I would say, you know, the top three I sort of set apart, which is Kelsey, Kittle, Andrews. Then comes Goddard. Then comes TJ. Um, so he's a top five tight end, but he's probably number five. But that's how it works. It's his turn, so he becomes number one. Sometimes you don't – sometimes you can't surpass – the, the top guy but in this instance he he was able to do it and i think again it probably has more to do with a young general manager you know people are spoiled in philadelphia for a lot of reasons when it comes to football and one of the reasons is, is the gm um experience matters experience matters and how he's really good and, and and at every aspect of this. But guess what, Jody? He was not really good as a young general manager. And that's what's going on with a lot of these other teams. You know, and I'm I picked on Chicago, now I'm picking on Minnesota. There's they have something in correlation. Young general young, inexperienced general managers. Eagles went through that. You don't want to go through that if you don't have to go through that. I'm amazed that more people don't. Now, I get it. It's a bottom line business, and it's cyclical, and it's very hard to be disciplined like Jeffrey Lurie is. Man, the Eagles are spoiled. Right, but here's... Yeah, yeah. The example... You're giving a great example, John. How he wasn't great at it when he first started doing it. that's the point. So guess what? You got to go... Through the startup costs. We talk about startup costs all the time with players. Well, there's startup costs for general managers, too. Yes, exactly, Jody. But here's the point. Right, I expect these mistakes. Questy's not going to see year 10, never mind year 15. Uh, 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 Ryan Poles is going to see year 10, never mind year 15. Now, can I guarantee that? Of course not. They might wake up and realize we've been doing it wrong. But everybody else is going to cycle these guys through. And this poor guy's going to, oh, he's doing a bad job. He made a mistake. I'm going to fire him and hire the next guy. That's why I'm saying Eagles fans are spoiled. Yes, did you have to live through the bad to get to the good? Of course. You had to get to, but then you don't, Shepard Lurie doesn't just say, all right, bad season, bunch of injuries. I'm going to blow out the general manager. Now he's blown out head coaches and he's blown out coordinators and people asked him to fire Howie numerous times, but they should, they should get their mea culpas when it comes to that. They really should because Jeffrey made the right decision. I think you got to give these guys a little bit of a chance. The young general managers. Oh, I agree. with. I think they did. I'm I'm agreeing with you a hundred percent. I think you should let them grow. My point is they're going to fire them for these mistakes. That's my whole point. I think you have to let them learn from the mistakes and get through it. And then when they gather some experience, they're going to be savvier and they're going to be better, but that's not how this league works, except in very rare instances, Philadelphia being one of them who are patient, these organizations that are patient and let these guys grow. But then there's Mickey Loomis down in new Orleans. who has been doing it for a while 
and how he continues to take advantage of them. So some guys grow into very good general managers and other guys uh, unfairly get fired too quickly and then still others for some reason seem to hang on. And we'll talk about, I I think I asked Brad that question once who who's he's impressed with, with the young GM. So I'll ask it again. Um, uh, yeah, I think that's one big advantage the Eagles have, man. I mean, how he, how he, how he has learned how he was not good early in his tenure. Now it's freaking great. As a matter of fact, he is in our green room. So let's take a quickie timeout. Cap analyst and writer for Pro Football Focus, contributor for OverTheCap.com, Brad Spielberger. Join us next here on Birds 365. passionately go fearlessly go confidently go confidently towards your goals with first trust philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years and the official bank of the philadelphia eagles we're focused on getting you over the goal line so go with conviction go with trust and go forward with us by your side first trust bank the official bank of philadelphia dreams oh and go birds fans on earth it's a bold statement but would you expect anything less from philadelphia 58 years of heartache creates a toughness a grit a resolve not found in most sure our prayers were answered but now that we've had a taste we're looking for more pondley hockey official partner of the philadelphia eagles Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles Football Friday and Birds 365 Mac and Mac McMullen and McDonald here with you on Birds 365 We got our buddy joining us from PFF 
Brad Spielberger. And I got to tell you, Brad, when John ran into you at Eagles practice, he immediately went into the measurables. He goes, yeah. Damn, Spielberger's tall. I didn't yeah, know he was man. that tall. What are you stretching it out at these days? Yeah, I'm at six seven. I was hoping to get a Whoa. tight end try out from the birds. You know, Tyree Jackson moved on, so I was hoping I would get a look, but they, they didn't give me an opportunity. Yeah, we got a we got a beat guy, Brandon Lee Gowton, who I what's Brandon? Six nine. So at yeah, least yeah, six we, eight. Yeah. We had a rangy, rangy uh group of reporters there that day. Uh but it was good to see you, Brad. Um at Eagles practice. I was talking, you know, about Howie Roseman versus some, I, I think I asked you this question before, what young general manager has impressed you the most uh, coming off the TJ Hawkinson uh, extension in Minnesota, which is a team you used to work for. I, I don't know. Quessy hasn't done much. You know, he finally did something. Uh, obviously the personnel aspect, the draft, but and I expect him to get something done with Justin Jefferson soon. But I was thinking about it. It made me think about Howie as a young GM. Wasn't good. Uh, experience matters. Now he's really good. And I don't think people are patient enough to get over that hump with young GMs. You think that's Absolutely right? I mean, yeah, sorry to cut you off. Yeah, sorry. no, they get these four- and five-year deals, and I think you do need to kind of get your legs under you. It takes a couple of years. Go look back at even your favorite GMs now. Their first draft class is probably bad. Like, it's, it's almost yeah. funny you look back, and I think they learn on the job. They learn how to delegate. They learn how to trust the people around them. Um, you know, I, I would say maybe Brad Holmes in Detroit. If I had to pick a young GM that I think is doing a very good job, obviously not perfect, nobody is, but has made this franchise from, you know, a, a doormat to a legitimate contender in the NFC, I think with a lot of sharp moves, um, and I think he knows how to identify talent. All right, uh, guys, I got to get a read on from you uh, to start the season. Two teams, legitimate Super Bowl contenders, um, but missing a big piece as of right now. Last year's Defensive Player of the Year, um, Nick Bosa holding out with the, the 49ers, and Chris Jones, who I believe finished third. I think Michael Parsons, with, between the two of them, in voting for the Defensive Player of the Year. Two phenomenal defensive players that aren't on Super Bowl contenders before the year starts. Now they could both sign in the next 24 hours, and this is going to become completely meaningless. But as we sit here today, those are two big pieces missing from teams that think they can go and win it all. Where are those two negotiations at? Anybody overly asking or risking is one of the two teams, as John's pointing out, not, uh, being foolish and not getting something done. Where do you see both of those negotiations heading? Yeah, I think the Niners and Bosa are closer, uh, and, I, and I have more confidence they're going to get something done there for a couple of reasons. First, I mean, it's the second contract. It's not a third deal for a 29-year-old player like Chris Jones. I think they already know he's going to become the highest-paid defensive player in the NFL above Aaron Donald at 31 and two-thirds million. So it's a question of uh, how much above that, but also the Niners structure their deals very uniquely. It, it, it's a complicated process, so I think they will get there. Uh, it's just irony out some of the details joey bosa you know who has the same agent and obviously his nick's brother went right down to the wire as well before becoming the highest paid defensive player in the nfl so i have way more confidence there with kansas city i think it's, it's a couple things going on there first the chiefs obviously know he's a, a special special player i think he is still going to be good for a couple more years i'm not overly concerned by the age but you know they've shown they're, they're not going to give these third contracts out very easily 
from what I've heard, I haven't been able to confirm this firsthand, but um, look, Chris Jones is awesome. I've heard the requests or the demands are, are kind of outlandish. The numbers I've been told that he's asking for, I think he's an awesome player, but I probably wouldn't give it to him either. So I don't, I, I don't want to, you know, it, it's not something I've been able to, to learn firsthand. But anyway, I have more faith in Nick Bosa getting done before week one than I do Chris Jones. Yeah, offensively, you know, the guy you talk about complicating things at 29 with Chris Jones, third contracts, Mike Evans in Tampa Bay. I mean, you talk about uh, a 30-year-old guy. I got to count it up. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine seasons. Cracked 1,000 yards every single season. That is amazing consistency. But he's nine years in. He's 30. How do you give him – what he deserves, man, that is a difficult, difficult decision if I'm a, a GM. It is. And it also, of course, where the team is right now, you know, they're, they're not good, in my opinion. I don't think they're going to be good, you know, the next couple of years. They're going to turn over a lot of older players on this roster. You unfortunately have Ryan Jensen, the center, who you made one of the highest paid players in his position in the NFL, tried to kind of do some wonky science last year to come back to play football with Tom Brady, which is awesome and credit to him for trying to do that. But he may have ended his career in the process. So, it's tough because as awesome as, as he's been, you do start to get like kind of Julio Jones vibes where he doesn't yeah. make Evans, that is. He yeah. doesn't practice a lot. His hamstrings are always bothering him. He has you know managed to battle it out and go over a thousand yards, like you said, every single season of his career, but but you can see the drop off coming rather precipitously. So it is a very tough one. I, I but I come back to he signs a five-year extension. This is why you're seeing guys sign three- and four-year deals because now he's going into the last year. The team has all the leverage. He probably should have gotten paid before. He's been a team player. He's offered to take pay cuts during the Brady era. He hasn't missed a single practice during training camp, all those things. Um, and it sounds like they're not really close. It, it's a tough spot, and, and it shows, again, to fans, like you complain, oh, this guy's not showing up. or You have to weaponize any leverage yeah. you have because these teams – they might say they care about being a team player and all that. They don't. Give me, and this is for my own edification, and yeah, everybody else can learn while I'm learning, cap uh, clarity on the whole Ryan Jensen thing. It, it, there's a chance he's never going to play football again. But he doesn't want to retire because he doesn't know 100%, but it just looks very much like he's never going to play again. Does the team have any recourse to try and cover themselves on the cap and the hit that they're going to take for the guy? There's one thing to pay out of pocket, but there's also uh, uh, the cap and, and insurance you can collect on to end up paying him. How does a guy like Jensen's situation work itself out for a team like Tampa Bay? Yeah, so they actually already did kind of rework his contract. They turned the 2024 season, uh, which was a real contract year. It's now a void year. They're actually going to do something the Eagles always do with a lot of these older players is you basically carry the guy into 2024. You then, you know, post June 1, release him and spread his cap hits over 2024 and 2025. Uh, we've seen that with you know, a handful of players, Brandon Brooks, etc. I could name probably five Eagles, you know, Alshon Jeffrey and, uh, you know, all these guys they've done that with. So that's what they're going to do. In terms of getting cash back or anything like that, I, I think when a player does make a sacrifice like this and try to return for a playoff run, you know, with Tom Brady, I don't think they're going to go after his money or try to get out of paying him because he was doing it for the team and obviously right. trying to be there for a key year for the franchise. Um, but yeah, from a cap standpoint, they've already kind of manipulated the numbers there a little bit. 
Um, want to rewind. I should ask you right away, but uh, TJ's deal, since that's the most recent, kind of reset the tight end market. Very good player. Uh, I would rate him behind the big three and probably Dallas Goddard here. Probably the fifth best tight end. Very good player. That's sort of how things work normally. Um, but when you look at the contract, uh, good for the player, good for the team. Where where would you uh, where would you place yourself? Yeah, I, I think it's a great contract for TJ Hawkinson. I agree. I think he's a top five tight end, but probably closer to five than to one. Um, yeah. But the thing is, when you get traded for top end draft capital, you know, Vikings send a second round pick, a third round pick over to Detroit. And then you come in and you're second in receptions and receiving yards behind only Travis Kelsey from post trade deadline through the end of the season you're going to get a big old bag of money. And so he earned it. He deserves it. We've seen guys that, you know, they get traded to a new place. It's hard to acclimate, learn a new playbook, all these things. And for him to be that seamless, I think, you know, this deal was, you knew you were paying at least, you know, I think 16 million or so per year. So I know on paper it's 16 and a half million dollars per year at the four year 66. When I break it down, it's a three year, $48 million contract. I don't really think he's going to make the $18 million in the fourth and final year. So that's good for Minnesota. But no, this was good for TJ Hawkinson and also really, really good for the tight end market itself. They needed this deal to come through. Everyone talks about running backs as they should, um, but tight end has been stagnant as well, and this deal helps push it forward. All right, then let's talk about another position that seemed to have been devalued, at least here in Philadelphia, because we're on birds 365, and that's linebacker where the Eagles have exactly three of them on their roster right now, <laughs> none of which are making any money whatsoever. So as devalued as running back might be, linebacker even more so here in Philadelphia, how is it league-wide? Are the Eagles, uh, we, we know they're not on an island by themselves, but they in the corner of that island with others on it? Are there teams that still value linebackers? How would you describe the value of the linebacker position in the NFL? heading into the 2023 season. Yeah, the Eagles aren't alone, but they certainly are an outlier. They really have never used top-end draft capital or spent significant money. I think like Michael Kendricks is the biggest deal they've given out, and that was probably what, 2013, 2014. I think it's smart, frankly, where you're going to spend more than everybody else on defensive line, and you also do want to spend on cornerback, sometimes safety. Obviously, right now, they're not really spending anything at safety, but um, that's their approach. If you're going to spend at some spot, you got to give elsewhere, and they've determined off-ball linebacker is that spot for them so there are other teams that follow the same strategy but then you also look at you know a team like baltimore use a first round pick on patrick queen then trade a second and a fifth to go get roquan smith make him the highest paid linebacker in the nfl you know the san francisco 49ers who spend on defensive line you know as much as the, the niners do but also have fred warner and Dre greenlaw so it is team to team. You know, the Steelers haven't really spent there in, in quite a while either. I guess with, with, with Andy Weidel in town, maybe that doesn't change. So, yeah, it, that one's more spread out. But the Eagles aren't alone in thinking we can have a great pass rush, a good secondary, and then just have guys that can just clean up and make tackles and run sideline to sideline. And, and it's obviously worked for them. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, we got to talk about him and the running back situation. Uh, Indianapolis – you know, they're talking out of both sides of their mouth. They obviously don't want to pay Jonathan um, top-of-the-line money, uh, probably just under Christian McCaffrey. But um, 
And then they're asking Miami for Jalen Waddle, which kind of says, well, this is a good player. <clears throat> you know, a lot of people talk about negotiating in good faith. Do NFL teams negotiate in good faith when it comes to running backs? And that's a good question. And there's actually language in the CBA itself talking about, you know, good faith negotiations, which is borderline impossible to prove it's not yeah. happening. I've talked to agents about it, particularly this offseason, kind of like, have you ever thought about filing a grievance or trying to? And they say it's just so, so hard to prove the valuations of players and all these different things. But to a degree, no, I, I really don't think this offseason in particular, the running back negotiations were in good faith. I, I have not gotten any first-hand knowledge on Josh Jacobs, but I don't think there were any real conversations <laughs> there. As far as Saquon Barkley, what we saw in the media, in my opinion, if you're not giving a contract offer, once you franchise tag a player, I think you should have to offer a deal that contains a fully guaranteed money amount equivalent to two franchise tags. Because basically, that is what you're leveraging. You're saying, we can just tag you twice and then let you go. And obviously, that is fully guaranteed money. So, look, it could be two fully two franchise tags fully guaranteed, not much above that. But I think if you're not at that number, I would argue it's not necessarily good faith. And it sounds like maybe they offer Barkley that at the, at the very end. So, anyway, yeah. No, I mean, the position is so devalued at this point. But then you mentioned the hypocrisy of yeah. the Colts. And I knew all along. The Colts didn't want to trade him. The, the reports about Jalen Waddle and a first-round pick and all that, it's basically them saying, we're not going to trade you, but we'll give you the opportunity to go talk to other teams to see what contract they're willing to offer. But it's all moot at, in, in the end. I, I'm not surprised with the result. And I got to give the Raiders credit. <laughs> at least Adams got uh, – uh, excuse me, Jacobs got – above what the franchise tag was with with a straight salary it was 10 and change and he got 11 uh, million so at least they did up it some which i would call good faith negotiating on the raiders part all right a uh, big negotiation that we don't get as much information on as we would like because it does have an effect on the entire league it's joe burrow um jalen hurts got the ball rolling got signed Lamar got slightly more, and then Herbert got slightly more than Lamar. We knew Burrow was going to get more than Herbert. The question was, how slight is slightly, or is it significantly more? And then, of course, he gets hurt in preseason. His back is working. Looks like he's going to go at number one. Anything you've heard about that negotiation, <laughs> contentious, close, they're okay with just tabling it till in season. How's it going in Cincinnati between Burrow and the Bengals? Yeah, my understanding is they definitely do want to get it done. I don't know if the injury impacted it, but I don't think it did. But the sticking point is still just how the Cincinnati Bengals structure their contracts, where they do not guarantee money outside of signing bonuses. And when you're talking about a guy who's competing against players who've now gotten $200 million guaranteed, you know, several guys now, not just the Deshaun Watsons, but Lamar Jackson and Justin Herbert and all these things, if you're only going to guarantee a signing <laughs> bonus, even if you give an $80 million signing bonus, which is probably what Burrow would have asked in that scenario, maybe even more, um, it just it, it complicates everything because then it's a, a cash flow conversation. Justin Herbert got phenomenal cash flows in his deal. Basically, Lamar Jackson set the record for $80 million in new money in the first new year of his deal. Herbert got $100 million in new money through the first new year of his deal. So, you know, you're raising it by 25%, and then Burrow's supposed to top that. So 
I think it does get done. I think Cincinnati yeah. is going to bend a little <laughs> bit on contractual precedent. We saw it with Trey Hendrickson. They gave an extension to a player with two years left for the first time they've ever done that uh, in the current CBA. Um, it goes back to like Carson Palmer in 2005, I think was the last time they did it. So I think yeah. they're going to get it done. I-, I think we will see an extension before week one. Yeah, they have to get it done. By the way, you think uh, Jefferson's getting done before week one as well? A lot no, of I think there's there. close to a 0% chance Justin Jefferson really? gets done before week one. Wow. Yeah, I would be I would be shocked. Um, interesting. You think that's going to be an issue moving forward? I don't. I, I get that he's a special, special talent. I think you could argue he's the most valuable non-quarterback in the entire NFL. Um, but you look back historically – when you're a first-round pick after your third season, yes, you're eligible for a deal. But if you're a non-quarterback, it's pretty rare you get that deal. I mean, we're talking about Nick Bosa and all those guys. He was already a special yeah. player as well, yeah. and they waited till after that fourth season. That is more standard is, you know, the non-QBs wait till after the fourth year as opposed to after three. All right. I want to give you a chance to just talk about the National Football League, not salary cap related, just projection, prediction, and the like. How good is Aaron Rodgers going to be after he takes the Jets to the Super Bowl? <laughs> I think they're going to be good. I, I was in, I was at Jets camp the day after uh, John and I hung out at Eagles camp. And look, the offensive line gives me a little bit of concern. I think it is a good thing that Makai Becton won that right tackle job. Uh, he's probably the most talented player in the building. But outside of that, I just the defense is I think maybe the best defense in the NFL from top Ooh. to bottom. Then you have you know pretty good weapons. Garrett Wilson was 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 open all day long in that practice that I saw. Alan Lazard had the highlight of the day with it with a cut touchdown uh, down the right sideline. Like I just they not only are they, I think they're loaded a lot of spots, but also have pretty good depth. The only weakness in my eyes is that offensive line. But if they get healthy with Dwayne Brown and Elijah Vera Tucker, in, you know specifically. I think they're an average or slightly above average O-line, and that's their worst unit on the entire roster. And, and Rodgers will help that as well. Jody's a, a Jets guy, Brad, if you don't know. So he's he's brimming. I, well, I think they're going to be green great. Super Bowl, Eagles. I, I think. Write it I down, think, 90 to 1. Go ahead and get to your sports betting app. Put it in now. Um, he's motivated. I'm talking about Aaron Rodgers. He wants to stick it to the Packers. I think they're going to have a special season. Obviously everything comes down to injuries, but boy, he's, uh, I, I mean, I think the jets are going to be really, really good. Um, now that we've gotten to the, the down to the 53, still some movement is going to happen until next week, a uh, little bit here and there, but I, I, you know, probably a difficult question, but I'm going to throw it out you, at you. You can handle it. Give me the two or three best roster builders in the NFL. So, you know, that involves salary cap and personnel. Who do you think does it the best in in the modern environment? There's always a question of like, are we doing full body of work their entire career or the last couple of seasons? I'll say this answer is the last, I don't know, three, four years. Uh, Howie Roseman is number one. I'm not saying that just because I'm on this show. <laughs> I, I, I think I called him the executive of the year in 2021 when they made the, yeah. when they tanked in week 18 and traded for Devontae Smith yeah. and all that. Um, but yeah, uh, Eagles are, are a number one because I said recently what Duke Tobin has done in Cincinnati. He's done the last phenomenal year. job, Duke Tobin. It's but exceptional. I, he's got a yeah. staff of like three people, Brad. And That's how he's got thing. like 50. 
Yeah. Exactly. That's the thing. Where again, I'm not taking away from Howie, yeah. but he probably has the most resources at his disposal of anyone. And Duke Tobin probably has the least. Um, and he is, yeah, I, I just love the way they've done free agency and the draft the last couple of years. They're also a team where I like the starters, I like the depth a lot as well, and that does matter. So them two in the last couple of years, I think, stick out. You know, the third could be a handful of teams. I mean, we, you got to give Brett Veach some credit. I probably wouldn't, you know, is off the top of my head. But I think they have done a good job in particularly balancing. I mean, look at last offseason, an offseason where people thought they were going to take a step back and not be as good. Yeah, they saved themselves. Yeah. yeah, saved themselves a ton of money with Tyreek Hill, add some extra draft capital and still win the Super Bowl. Yes, Patrick, Mah- having Patrick Mahomes makes your job easier, but he deserves credit for you know, like the Rams, they win a Super Bowl, they make Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup, you know, and now look at them. So he was patient and he was, he thought long term and short term, which I know is hard to do for a lot of these guys. With Veach, though, um, when push comes to shove, Andy's making the decisions, right? Here in Philadelphia, you know, push comes to shove, Nick's being consulted how he's making the decisions on personnel is. Andy dictating Veach more so than maybe other coaches dictate to general managers around the league? I would I would assume so. There are a handful, you know, Reed, Belichick, Pete Carroll, like they, they have a lot of power and a lot of say. I'm sure that is the case with Andy Reed, but you know, still to Veach's credit, you have to work with that, work around that, work through mm-hmm. that. I know Mahomes was his guy, and everyone will tell you that was like he put his stamp on it and really, really pushed hard for that. So yeah, that is fair. Um, but I still think, you know, I if I had more time to think about it, maybe he would be number three. But I think he's top five, top seven for sure. Uh, at PFF underscore Brad, make sure you follow Brad Spielberger on X. Does a tremendous job at Pro Football Focus and over the cap. Uh, best contract guy in the business as far as I'm concerned. And that's because he knows football as well. Um Brad, week one is coming up and it's going to be uh, uh, Eagles going up to Foxborough for Tom Brady Day. Um, I've been waiting. Every, everyone says this league is cyclical and you sort of have a pendulum effect and everybody's going one way and it's the positionalist players, the hybrid safeties, linebackers, all these undersized guys. And we talked about the devaluation of the running back before. Is anybody going to wake up and say, there's a bunch of light guys on that side. I'm just going to start going downhill. Zag when everybody else is zigging, zigging when everybody else is zagging. Or we pass that. It's just not possible. No, I, I think to a degree, yeah. I mean, the Patriots, I think, are an example. It's kind of funny. Their offense, I think, is built to attack smaller defenses and, and, and go after those hybrid players. But then on defense, they had the fewest snaps played by linebackers in the NFL last year because they love those, you know, Jabril Peppers, uh, you know, Adrian Phillips, Kyle Duggar type guys that are kind of safety linebacker hybrids. But no, I, I think it is still a thing. I think you are going to see teams lean into that. If they don't feel they have a great quarterback or, or whatever the case may be, I think right now England is probably the best example. Um, but yeah, at a certain point, if everyone's light and everyone's you know trying to defend the pass and, and give up against the run, which you know some teams like the Rams and Chargers basically just want you to run the football on them, yeah. um, you'll see you'll see a transition back. I think we will see that. All right, along those lines, three quarterbacks taken at the top of the draft this past year: first, second, fourth. All of them have physical capabilities. Stroud shocked everybody with his big run in the championship game against Georgia. 
Oh, he can run too. Yeah, he can. Add Sken Young. We know Richardson can. How much of uh, maybe a flip, maybe a uh, trend, a little swing of the pendulum is running quarterback going to play in this league going forward? We got ours here in Philly. How about everybody else? I think at, at this point, even if the guy is not a player you want to use on designed runs, you need to now have a quarterback who can scramble. So, again, we're talking about the pass game, right? So <clears throat> if you have defenses that have light boxes that are playing too high coverage almost every snap, that are always a nickel or dime or whatever, and are dropping back to, to protect, like no one thinks of Patrick Mahomes as a running quarterback. He's the best scrambler in the NFL and gets so many rushing yards and so many first downs because everyone drops eight against him. Josh Allen, too. Jalen Hurts as well. But obviously also, you know, his game is actually running the football. So I think if you have a guy that can't take advantage of, hey, pick up seven yards here, get a first down here with a scramble, you're behind the eight ball. So not necessarily a Justin Fields or Lamar Jackson, but I think you need to have a guy who can now take advantage of, you know, free space to pick up seven, eight yards. Yeah. So don't get too high on Tanner McKee. If you're an Eagles fan, <laughs> Hey, look, yeah. he looked good the day I was there. He's got some yeah, zip, but yeah. yeah not, not the best athlete on the field that day. No, he had, a, he, he had a great preseason, but yeah, he's an old school, six foot six, a little bit under Brad Spielberger, traditional <laughs> pocket passer. Those guys are, yeah, those guys are becoming dinosaurs. No question about it. Probably yeah, rightfully so. Yeah. 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 Uh, but Brad does a tremendous job again at PFF underscore Brad. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. Um, and it was good to see you, Brad. It was uh, uh good to see you at Eagles camp and how impressed were you? But how many camps you go to? I've been to four now. Eagles definitely had did it had a nice setup. I was impressed. Now the Jets, I told you they had a nice setup. Did they have everything set up? You were not lying. Yeah, the Jets probably probably at the top of that list. You were were not lying at all. (laughs) The only only thing when you go to Jet practice is you got to get somewhere near the tree. So you get a little Uh, The tree is awesome. I love the Jets facility. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. If you get a little shade time in the tree, you had a good day at Jet camp. Brad, great stuff. You know we're going to tap into you plenty during the season. Thanks for jumping in with us today. Before we get it underway, uh, we'll get back to you and get you back on again soon enough. Sounds great. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Brad Brad. Spielberg at Pro Football Focus. Their cap analyst does a great job at crunching the numbers. And don't kid yourself. That's a big part of building NFL teams these days. Talent evaluation is always going to be number one. But a very close second is the ability. By the way, Brad, and he's not he's not uh, playing up to the fan base here on Burst 365 called Howie Roseman, the best roster builder in the NFL and I can't disagree with him. That's what we'll be talking about as we get to game number one, Patriots next Sunday, the roster building, and if this roster that Howie Roseman has put together is the best in the NFL. If it's not, it's damn close. Nobody's going to argue, oh, they got this lousy roster. No, we know the Eagles have a very good roster. they still got a couple questions to answer, but they've got a uh, very talented roster. All right, McMullen and McDonald coming back. We need to put a bow on the show here on Birds 365.
Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first. And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. fans on earth it's a bold statement but would you expect anything less from philadelphia 58 years of heartache creates a toughness a grit a resolve not found in most sure our prayers were answered but now that we've had a taste we're looking for more pondley hockey official partner of the philadelphia eagles Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles Magamac guys uh, for the wrap on not only today's show but the weekend show number 600 McMullen and McDonald been doing maybe. this 600 times well yeah, John misses shows because he got to go to practice I miss shows every once in a while because I got to do a WIP show but we've done most of the 600 shows that Birds yeah. 365 have done together. We're the foundation of the show, though, Jody, you and I. Yeah, we, we are unquestioned the foundation. For, so for <laughs> those of you still tuned in who didn't get out early, thanks for hanging. Hit the like button on the way out. Give us a little, little love. For, come on, I think we've earned a little after 600 shows. <clears throat> Hi, Johnny Mac. I'm going to give you a chance to recoup a little bit here. All right. You got beat in the roster building. Yeah. Contest. By the way, Andrew DeCheco won. Congratulations. He did with the practice squad tiebreaker. Yeah. Yes. Oh, uh. we, that means he's got to be on next week. Yeah. Uh, we we got to we got to go tip of the cap to him. We have, definitely have to get him on next week because we got to book four days next week. We're off on Labor Day. Happy Labor Day in advance, everybody. Um, so DeCheco earned a spot. We will get him up if he's available. Uh, I think we. Need to do that. All right. And you came up short. You've been in the running every single year. Always close. You get very prideful when you win. You get pissed off when you lose. So you're a little pissed ticked off. off this year. Um, and you said ahead of time you knew it could very well come down to Garner or Ricks. Who are they going to keep? You were a Garner guy. They ended up keeping Ricks. I tried to talk you into Ricks looked that good in the preseason game. Yeah, but, but they, then, don't, yeah. they don't pay attention to preseason. Well, that, they do they, when they, they pick Albert me. O. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm more pissed off about them lying to me. But uh, even if I pick Ricks, I would have been tied with eight people, and then I would have lost to Andrew. And the Andrew got ten practice squad guys right. Nice. Um, I still would have lost. So okay. Um, 
But yeah, I was trying. I was trying to shoot my shot. And if they they woke up and said, "Hey, special teams is pretty important, and we're going to get Ricks back anyway," I thought maybe. So that was my thought process. All right. Okay. So I'm going to give you a chance to uh, right the wrong here. Week one regular season, the 46 man roster. All we talk about is the 53. Oh, understood. But then on game day, you got to get it down to 46. They're not going to dress all those cornerbacks, Johnny Mac. No. I think it comes down to Ricks or Ringo. We know they selected Ringo in the draft and probably got a break. A lot of people had him going higher than where the Eagles were able to uh, finally select him. And Ricks, of course, an undrafted free agent. So the status of where they were taken and the like, all we've had to judge so far is the preseason. Uh, I've judged. I think, Ricks, if you get an injury, if either Bradbury and or Slate turn an ankle and you got to put someone in it, it's going to be Joe. I get it. He's going to go first. If you've got, which means the next man up is the next man up. You got to have the guy who you, if need be, can throw in there and have him make a play in the second half against the Patriots. You think they activate Ringo or Ricks? Uh, Ringo, uh, but nothing. To, nothing you didn't learn to, anything. Nothing to do with cornerback. Nothing. Literally nothing to do with cornerback. Because uh, the, uh, it, it, yeah, special teams, complete special teams at that point. When you're Is talking Ringo about the that right, much when, better at special teams. Than yeah, Rick? much. Have you better. been breaking down special teams, yeah, film on me, and I not mean, telling me? Um, yeah, much better. Much better. Eli's not a good special teams player. Maybe Kemby's a great athlete, but he hasn't he hasn't taken to it yet. Ringo, Ringo's got a chance to be a really good special teams player, and that's what I got to believe that the Eagles are defaulting to by cutting guys that are evidence demonstrated performance guys on special teams. He's got a chance because he can run. Um, you know those Georgia guys because Nolan Smith is. You know, takes this, but evidently they teach him that it's important. Um, yeah, I nothing to do with cornerback. He's been Rex is, I'm with you, has been Ringo was not good playing corner over the summer. All I'm these ready. guys, Ringo, uh, Rex was better than him, a Gardner was better than him, good Rich was all of them were better than Ringo at corner. He's got a long way to go, but as far as a special teams player. He's got a chance, and that's where he can uh, uh, make his impact early in his career. If you tell me that he's that much better a special teams player, I'm with you. All right, then I won't complain when he gets uh, on the roster week one and Ricks is on the inactive list. But better go out and make a special teams play then. If if that's the reason that you're going to be playing, you're going to be active on game day, better go down there and make a key tackle, Mr. Ringo. Yeah. And he might be one of the gunners. I mean, he might be one of the gunners. Um, and we'll see because, right, like, we're not done yet, Jody. They have to make a decision on punter. Um, if they sign a punter, if they sign one of these punters they worked out to the 53, uh, all of a sudden they have an extra elevation. And that can, you know, then maybe they can elevate Cubby to be the punt returner and they can elevate garner or van sumeran to be a uh, a special teams player and maybe they want the corner maybe they want ricks at that point maybe they want more of the 
so there's a lot of things that need to be figured out still. Not a lot, but a, a few dominoes that have to fall. Yeah, you don't think they're going to have a punter for week one, do you? You think it's just going to be Sippus elevated? Um, I think we'll know um, probably later today. Well, they're off today, so they might kick it back to next week. Um, I, I, I kind of felt like because of the way they described it to us, they made it very clear when they were cutting Sippus that uh, he might be back. Yeah, he could be back. They, they <laughs> so, left that door definitely yeah. ajar. And now we know. They opened it up for him. He walked through yeah. onto the practice squad. Not onto the roster, but on the practice squad. Yeah. But if one of these guys opened that, they did bring them in. They said they were going to bring him in. They brought in three guys. If one of these guys is significantly better, but I don't see them being significantly better. Uh, so... Yeah, I'm with you. It's probably more likely. I think it's going to be Sippus, but that's something we'll talk about next week, which, oh, by the way, doesn't start till Tuesday. Thanks to uh, our buddy Joe Krause uh, giving us the holiday off, allowing us to enjoy Labor Day. You should as well, because then thereafter, every other Monday, you're going to have to be right here on Birds 365, because we'll be on after the Eagles, giving you all the breakdown that you need. Johnny Mac, know you're going to be working, but if you get a breath, enjoy your long weekend. Uh, you too. Uh, enjoy it, everybody. Happy Labor Day uh, to all the listeners as well, Jody. And then the season gets underway, and we'll be here for you guys all year long on Birds 365. We'll be back in three and three. That's days till after Labor Day. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.